Mental and Physical Diet. Everyone can benefit from upgrading their mental and their physical diet, especially where health benefits for the long term are the result of such upgrades. Dr. Lisa and a group of meditators interested in having a good mental and physical diet join me, Matthew and Sira, your host, in our Higher Purpose Healing podcast recorded in New Orleans. Disclaimer. Nothing in this podcast is medical advice or indicates a doctor-patient or therapist-client relationship. When it comes to allergies, supplements, or any dietary plans, consult your dietitian or primary care physician. Now on to the podcast. Please enjoy. Did you just see that? Yeah. That was crazy. It's just a candle. I thought you had sparklers in there or something. I don't know what happened in there. Look, I'll tell you this. The best part about doing what I do is that I get to learn more than you because there's a lot more of you than there are of me. So I take everything I hear and I learn from it. So I'm grateful. So by any means at all times, feel free to speak your heart and truth. Thank you all for being here. I'm excited. So today, what are we doing today? We're going to talk about nutrition and then we're going to talk about... That's right. Okay, okay. That's your part the kissing. <laughs> so today, this topic is a major topic for all people on the planet, bar none, right? Because we're going to talk about the mental diet, but before we do that, we're going to talk about the physical diet. And since there's so much change in our food, and there's so much change in how people are living, we have to go back to the roots in order to navigate pain, in order to navigate our blood pressure, in order to navigate how we can take on this excess intensity from technology. And so one of the things we do in the beginning is, is we go around and introduce ourselves. And I'd like to ask you, in the context of your physical diet, where are you struggling? Are you trying to lose weight? Are you trying to gain weight? Do you feel tired? Do you feel you get a lot of energy from your food? Any little detail that you would like to improve, I'd like you to share. So let's go around this way. There's a lot. Okay, my name is Celia Cruz. I'm here to learn more about meditation. I am struggling about my diet. I need to drink more water, stop drinking coffee, leave the alcohol behind, and um, it helped me. One of the requests that was made by a bunch of folks was that Lisa and I share more knowledge in the, in the intermediating of this information. So if y'all would allow, I'd like to. So one thing that we do, and I think all people could benefit from, is when you wake up in the morning, so Matthew is, is new here and he wanted some room temperature water, right? And so that's perfect because the older we get, the less we can drink cold water, and here's why. Your body has to warm what you put in it. And if you're putting in cold, the body's gonna have to overwork to make that the temperature that you need. And then it's gonna flush electrolytes out of your body in the process, which is what you need to stay hydrated. And hydration as part of the physical diet is crucial because everything in your body requires it, which is why the earth is mostly water and so are we. So starting the morning and the end of the day with warm water, with lemon, because that has electrolytes, it's a carrier and it also detoxes your liver, is perfect way to start and end the day, okay? In China, what they do is they take cold or room temperature water and then they take some kettle water, some hot water from the tea, and they mix them evenly. 
So you get the yin and the yang, and that you're balanced when you do that. So I'll address that with respect to the water. Mm -hmm. And of course, alcohol, this is something a lot of people don't know. We all at some point have drank, many of us, few of us have not. And alcohol gets stuck in the brain for a long time. And it can be flushed out. We do techniques here that help move that, but the average person is never gonna have that happen. And so alcohol serves a purpose for a period of time. And then at some point, we either have to come to this place where we're on that same train that's not wrecking us until the alcohol starts to wreck us. And then that's when you have to make a decision to change your ways or find something that's gonna fulfill what the alcohol did, which was let you feel free, right? All of a sudden your inhibitions are gone, you're able to float into the world of no stress and whatnot until the alcohol becomes your stress. And then you start acting out of sorts. And then you do things you regret. And then after that, it's just downhill from there. So, okay. Um, Shay, uh, I, I drink a lot of water. That's not an issue. One cup of coffee a day, that's pretty good. Um, I started a plant-based diet right after the new year. I uh, struggled with being a complete carnivore, keto crazy carnivore to plant-based. So, you know, there were some changes. Don't miss me, doing fine with it, but my blood work is still not happy. So, just looking for, um, I know that it's more mental than physical, but it starts with the physical and what I'm ingesting. So. This popped up on my screen at a time when I needed it. So one thing I would say is anytime you make changes, um, a lot of times the blood work or the body lags behind sometimes. So really you have to stick with something for a long period of time, and I would say six months, to see a change with blood work. And then you hit it on the nail, the mental. So the body really, the mind can really heal the body. So the more you focus on whatever is abnormal in your blood work, you focus on healing that particular organ and that particular mentally and visualize it, those numbers will get better just with doing those, those techniques. And then I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> oh, hi, I'm Molly. Um, let's see, what am I gonna say about, I don't drink enough water. Um, that's a real, thing for me because I'd hate the taste of it, but, um, uh, you know, give it a try. Plus, it's it's hard to just turn the tap on and be um, happy with maybe what happens, but I have the Brita and all this going on, and it's like, mm, I don't know, it seems more trouble than it, but anyway, and I, I hate to think of where the, bot, the, the plastic bottle will end up. Okay, enough about water. Um, Nutritionally, I have tried everything from starve the starving myself just because um, I'm afraid of uh, an illness that I have. I'm afraid of anything that decides it's gonna um, uh, stick with me, cold. Uh, so nutritionally, um, I. I can't fault myself for not trying. 
because, um, like I say, I've cut out dairy. I've cut out this. I've been plant-based. I've been um, carnivore, herbivore. Um, anyway, I think that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. The water is an issue. Mm -hmm. What comes out of the tap is not very good for us <laughs> on any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. So putting the lemon in the water at a very minimal will help but doesn't solve everything. Mm -hmm. So that's a place to start. Mm -hmm. okay. Thanks. Hi, I'm Moya and I'm visiting from Fort Worth. My dear friend Poe included me in this group. And I love water. It's easy for me to have it at all times. But I love everything else. And it doesn't matter. I am a food junkie to the point that, I mean, my mom was this caterer and we just have always had, you know, sit-down meals every single night. And we learned to eat well and enjoy it with conversation and just great family time and visiting and friends would always come to our house and eat and we would just invite everybody. So the, the food, the drinks, whatever was just... I mean, abundance where you didn't have to indulge, but we just like everything. So food-wise, I probably battle um, more snacking and filling my plate up than just having the healthy, yummy meals. So I'll probably put a little extra in my body that is harder for me, but I love to work out. I do a great job of that. I enjoy it. Um, so... I guess balance comes back to balance. Perfect. It's me in a nutshell, I guess. For <laughs> Pretty much. And I'm very open, so if you have any suggestions, I would love I, I, to I think I am going to make a bunch of suggestions, but I'm going to wait a little bit uh, if I repeat topics that we can go through. I'm Poe, and nutrition has been a passion my entire life. I've been a vegetarian for 23 years. I'm recently a vegan but I do cheat a little. Um, with crab, I can't get crab out of my life. So I'm a vegan who eats crab. Um, my daughter's just going to school to be a nutritionist, so thankfully it's rubbed off on her. My problem is I suffer from Hashimoto's, which is thyroid disease, and I can't have gluten, and that's I cheat too much. But it's usually when I'm drinking wine is when I start eating the bread. And um, so weight has been a constant battle because of my thyroid. So now I'm trying to heal my thyroid through Matthew and through other nutrition. And it's not good. I'm waiting till after Mardi Gras. <laughs> Hashimoto's is about the pineal gland and the internal system working against you. And it comes from an overabundance of stress. And there's other factors. We've talked about it, and so the, the, the thyroid regulation plays into that line of mm -hmm. the endocrine system, as you know, as it's part of it. So, yeah. for those out there who don't know about Hashimoto's. Uh, hi, I'm Marsha, and uh, I've um, been um, doing a nutrition program with my chiropractor called Nutrition Response Testing, and um, so I've learned a lot through him. But um, I still have issues. You know, I, I, do, I do drink plenty of water. I've learned to read labels. Um, I try to um, stay off of the gluten, 
which is hard because I love bread, but um, I, I'd like to lose some weight because, you know, I'm a, when I get anxious and stressed, I, I gotta eat, you know, so that's my MO. <laughs> so that's what I need to deal with. Can't help myself. It's, it's, it's kind of funny because weight sometimes can be water weight from your thalamus not working, your, your lymphatic system not sucking it off. It can also be emotional. So it happens two ways. One, either you're eating emotionally, which is putting on the weight, or you're not eating a lot, and then you're not dealing with the emotions, which is the mental, and then you keep it on, right? And then the starvation of the body and thought that that will keep you from gaining weight actually holds the weight because the body thinks you're starving, and so it holds on to what it has in order for it to have something to burn to use for energy. So it's really this scale that requires a lot of attention. And I'm just going to say um, something that you're going to comment on will be the same thing, sort of, um, that I, I eat a lot emotionally. Oh, sorry, I'm Tally. Sorry. <laughs> um, since I was little, it was a big deal, like the whole food thing. My mom would always call us out, like, stop eating. We're the little ones that always like to eat. Um, my mom loves to eat too and um, we always struggle with like losing weight we, I never felt that I was in the right weight never and like looking at pictures back I'm like oh I wasn't that heavy I actually look good but I never see that at the present moment um, so and I think I eat a lot emotionally because I'll not eat throughout the whole day because I'm working and I'm caught up and I don't it doesn't, if I'm busy, I don't think about, oh, let's stop for lunch. No, if I'm busy, I'm just going to keep going. But when it's the end of the day, then I'm like, oh, okay, I deserve a reward. Now I can do whatever, you know. Um, and for celebrations, too, I think is a Latin thing that we like to eat to celebrate everything. I must be Latin. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's the other thing, too. I just keep fooling myself. I'm like, oh, okay, I did good today or for at work or whatever like I deserve to eat this or I deserve oh it's Sunday I deserve to eat this so um so it's a constant battle that I think it's very emotional and the whole thing like not eating the whole day and then eating later so the body never knows what's going on and it's even harder to lose weight and, and I want to lose a few pounds yeah okay we'll address that Hello, I'm Matt, Matthew, or Mathieu in French. <laughs> Mathieu. Um, I've been dealing with, uh, okay, I, I, I've been exposed to radiation like 15 years ago. Before that, I had a perfect like um, digestion. And since then, uh, my digestion has been altered. And uh, through the point, I don't process the nutrient properly. I don't uh, absorb the, the nutrient. So I started to, to lose weight. I was not I was not very big. I was still thin <coughs> at the time, but I started to to lose more and more weight. Here I feel really. And um, so the good thing about that is I tried many 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 kind of diets because uh, I wanted to get rid of uh, inflammation. Basically, it's like in kind of inflammation of the boba. And. Uh, so yeah, I tried many diets. Recently, uh, I thought like the Vata pacifying diet. Vata is normally skinny people. Um, yeah, I think that's helped me so far. But I think with Mathieu, we found out, uh, Mathieu found out directly what should be really helpful to start.
some ways, so I'm very excited about this and I can't wait to, to study. And uh, from there we will work on that. Yeah. But uh, what, I, what I learned from Adjune is like avoiding everything irritating, uh, obviously fried food and everything. But what I'm dealing with also because a musician is eating at the same time. Um, intermittent fasting is one of the tools that people can use to deal with schedules that are a challenge. And what does that mean? That means that whatever time in the morning you choose to begin eating, whether it's a, a piece of an orange or a banana or a smoothie, whatever it is, whatever that food is, if you count hours moving forward, and there's a little bit of leeway here depending between male and female and your particular situation, but let's say 10, 12 hour, 14 hour window. You want to stay within that window when you eat, whether you eat a lot, whether you eat a little, whatever it is that you're doing, whether you're snacking. These are other topics that each individual will have to experiment with. This is a very broad topic in and of itself with the generality of your uh, consistency of eating or having one big meal or two big meals, that sort of thing. But you want to stay within that window for intermittent fasting. And what happens is when you sleep or when your organs have a chance to heal when you're resting, you're not giving it an overabundance of food. So your body starts to take on this framework. It's like a picture with a frame. It goes, okay, I know the food's coming in within this section. And anything out of that section, we can start to work and, and digest, okay? Um, meditation is super important because you sit yourself into a parasympathetic state and then through that you're giving your body the indication to start the digestion process just like when you sleep so some of you are looking a little confused um, <clears throat> for instance Saturday I have a long day right so we do celery juice in the morning and I might have a smoothie but I won't eat and try not to eat until noon because I'm gonna finish at seven or eight sometimes and so then I'll have uh, you know, some lunch and then maybe something snack-wise in the middle and then at night, if I'm hungry, maybe I will. If I'm not, I won't. And then that's it. And the energy is really good. So, so Lisa just the physiology that. behind it, what Matthew said is so our organs, um, and especially m many of our organs are associated with digestion and they just don't get a chance to recover if they're always processing food or alcohol or juices or whatever. So even if you drink apple juice before you go to bed at night or something like that, it'll still process it. So by giving your liver, which is the main powerhouse in the detoxification of our body, <coughs> giving that organ a chance to, to rest and not work in the gallbladder and the pancreas, um, it actually starts to self-generate. It allows it to heal. And it allows it to rest and through rest just like sleep we heal our body so um it's really not i mean you could do 10 or 12 hours usually is the but it's not if you just start sticking to it when you wake up in the morning whatever time you eat it doesn't have to be the same exact time because we all have different schedules and we sleep in sometimes and then just count out and then have your last meal at night you'll find after a period of time you do have more energy and um and you don't want those late night snacks as much anymore. And it sort of cuts down on the snacking a little bit because your belly is used to having a big period of time of not being full. And so 
it's okay. You don't snack it. Your stomach shrinks a little bit. It gets small, and you don't feel like you need to snack as much during the day. So it's really, um, you know, we're lucky because in our culture we have an abundance of food. But historically, you know, way back when, people didn't eat. Like, there was no snacking. You had one meal, and that was that. So um, it's sort of gone back, like Matthew said at the beginning, back to our roots. That's perfect. And just to complement that, the liver and the water. Okay, in the morning when you have the warm water with lemon, you're allowing the blood and the liver to move through your system and cycle, and that makes you not sluggish. But when you have coffee first thing in the morning, which doctors will have a heyday with this comment, however, you're blinding your liver. Okay, so your liver's not getting a chance to get to moving to make everything work well. You can have the coffee, just have it after. Does that make sense? Um, after how, how long after the water with lemon? 20 minutes, you know, 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, 20, 30 minutes, give it a chance to cycle, you know, and to the comment of water in general, if when you're feeling hungry, especially at night, most of the time you're likely able to quench with water that hunger pain. And if you drink water first and then see how you feel, oftentimes you won't need that snack. So that's another really good tool and tip. Okay. <coughs> My name is Gogo. Uh, it started when I was younger. Uh, two older brothers and a mother who is not much of a cook. So we would go out to eat or get fast food, and that was my whole life. I, I never ate broccoli, cauliflower, not much unless it was fried, uh, being from here. And then later in life, it, you know, it was a routine kind of thing. Like, if I didn't have money, go get fast food. And it was cheap. and. Um, you don't have much money, being an artist, you know, something cheap and fast. Uh, that's what I go towards. And, and my husband eats the same. I call it like eating like a boy. Uh, he'd have all these horrible, you know, frozen dinners, pizzas in the freezer, um, always Cokes in the freezer, in the fridge. And I wasn't much of a Coke drinker. I always drink lots of water. But within the past year, it's like something I'm like, ooh, ooh, you know, something I've gotten addicted to is Coca-Cola, you know. Oh, it's a hard one, let me tell you. And it's like, I don't want the, I don't want coffee, I want a Coca-Cola. So I get the little mini one. So I'm like, oh, it's okay if I have a little mini one, you know, whatever. And, um, and then also uh, water. I've been trying to drink as much water as I can, but it's gotta be freezing cold. I love ice. I love anything freezing cold. Um, even my mother growing up, she would crunch the ice for us and we would just sit there and eat ice cubes while we were playing games and stuff. So, uh, so it's gotta be, I always have to have ice in my water and then I'll put, if I just can't street, drink straight water, I'll put like crystal light or some kind of flavor in it. And that does help. Um, but I try and make sure it doesn't have much sugar. Um, let's see, oh, I've been really, really sick uh, with upper respiratory um, issues. And so I wake up about three times in the middle of the night because I can't breathe. And, um, and so after I do my treatment, I go, I'm like, oh, what do I do now? So I go to the fridge and I do that three times. Like on the third time, I'm like, oh, let's see if there's something new in the fridge. <laughs> no, it never is. Um, but I just keep, you know, going back. And yesterday I had a king cake in my house and I just kept eating and eating, walking away. And then I come back and I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna get a little piece. Or, you know, get a bigger piece. 
And I swear, I ate half a king cake yesterday, and I'm like, oh, oh. You're still alive. God, I, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe it? And it had cream cheese inside of it, too, so like, make it worse. <laughs> and so um, I want to learn um, to eat when you're hungry. Um, I'm definitely an emotional eater. Uh, years ago, um, I kind of had like a little nervous breakdown, was so stressed out. Um, I'm now 115, I go between 115 and 120. I got down to 95 pounds because I was so stressed out. So I either go way low or I go way high. And uh, so that's been a pattern of mine. Um, but I definitely want to learn to eat when my body needs it, not to eat for the sake of eating. That's a big one I want to work on. So yeah. So there's this really awesome tool. And slow down eating too, and savor the moment. You know, yeah. sorry. No, not at all. There's a really awesome tool. We, sometimes we feel a certain way that we don't like, right? Everybody experiences this throughout the day. And ultimately, we want to feel on this side of it, the freedom, you know, the internal drugs going off in our brain. We want to feel relaxed. We want to feel energized and so, so forth and so on. The key from a meditative standpoint is to identify when you're feeling the way that's uncomfortable. Right. And at that moment, instead of going to the food, make a decision to experiment with at least one thing that's new, like going for a walk. Okay, I'm gonna go for a 10 minute walk. And then when you get back, reevaluate if in fact you feel the same way. And if you don't, that's your substitute for the food. So there's a lot of different tools like walking you can use. You can put on some music and you could dance for 10 minutes. You can sit down and you could write. You could stretch, you could do a little workout, you can call a friend, so forth and so on. You could sing. Breathe nine times. Doesn't take but 30 seconds, you know, just, it, and it really right. slows things down. And that's that. Yeah, and Lisa gave me, um, you talked to me about the nighttime cravings, mm -hmm. about getting a cup of tea. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have, since we talked about it, nice. that's what I've been doing is getting a cup of peppermint tea that's mm -hmm. hot and it actually helps my chest as well. Um, the exercising, I can't. I mean, I go through the grocery store and I'm out of breath. So, um, but I like the idea, I'll like take my notes for the day, which works and um, so I like that idea. And Do you eat dairy? Excuse me. Do you eat dairy? Yes. <laughs> you might want to cut that out. Oh yeah. Because for respiratory stuff, it's really good. Yeah, I was in the hospital last year, yeah, with all kinds of issues. Mm -hmm. Um, pleurisy, pneumonia, uh, uh, I, I broke 10 ribs from coughing so much, and a blood clot in my lung. Um, so, so yeah, and so that was, it was back then, and now it's kind of coming back slowly. So, uh, so I'm trying to get, to get out of that dairy of learning the, the foods not to eat. Yeah. yeah. So since you brought it up, let's talk about it. What we've done in our household is we've identified the things that create inflammation, and we've cut them out. And pain in the body has a lot to do with this. So when you're uncomfortable, but you're eating things that are promoting the discomfort, you're gonna be at this stalemate. Gluten, for 90% plus of people, is not your friend. And sadly, gluten is in beer, bread, pasta, rice, what else? Pretty much any type of wheat or cream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everything has, it, you know, has, if it has wheat, it has gluten for the most part, or flour has gluten. So gluten is in pretty much everything. It's a, it's a hard one to cut out because 
it's they just sneak it in a lot. And I mean, corn is another one. Corn is really inflammatory. Mm-hmm. And corn is in everything, too. So I guess my general, how I find it easier so as not to be overwhelmed by it, especially with having a family, is I cut out processed food. So anything that sits on the shelf and in a box and is in the central part of the grocery store, in general, I don't buy it. So you like Oreos that can stay on the shelf for 48 years and they still don't have mold? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) That's a sign. Right. So you can't, exactly. I mean, you can't buy that stuff in the, in the, in the middle of the grocery store. So that means you're going to the grocery store a little bit more because you're buying more perishable foods. However, your pantry stays pretty free. So you have space in your pantry, which is nice. So if you can cut out processed foods, it's hard, but if you can do that, that's a big chunk of, of stuff that you can that are inflammatory. Then the next one, like Poe said, is the dairy. And that is a really hard one for me because I'm a cheese girl and I like, I like cheese. So, um, however, once you stay away from it for a period of time, and it can be less than six months, six months is long, but if you stay away from it for a couple months, you'll find that you don't want it anymore. And then when you have it, you feel bad. And then it's a good, and the same with gluten. If you stay away from it for a period of time, when you have it, you get a stomach ache, and you wake up in the morning, and a lot of times you'll have inflammation, your fingers will feel tight, or you'll have swelling around your eyes because it's inflammatory. So you, so it's so crazy that, uh, so you, um, so you tend to not want to stay away from it. So what I would say is, I mean, sometimes some people, so if you're the type of person that you can go cold turkey, get rid of everything in your house and do that, that's great. If you're a person like me, I sort of like to process it a little bit. So um, I would get rid of processed foods, sit with that for a little while, and then you get rid of like the gluten and sit with that, and then you get rid of the dairy or however you want what your body calls to. And you can actually ask your body, you know, what what do I need or what do I don't? And if you can get rid of at least those three things, you're on the road to, I mean, there's a lot more tweaks in the diet, but those are corn, peanuts. I mean, there's a lot of inflammatory foods. Sugar. Sugar. And I can write a list. I mean, I have everybody's email here, so I can, I was thinking about that when I went to the bathroom. I can write out a little list of like the big inflammatory foods. Um, but if you cut out a lot of the processed foods, that's the stuff that has sugar in it, really. Like, a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff, like, and that means reading labels. If you can't read the ingredients on a label, there's no reason why you should be putting that into your body. So let's talk about that, because labels are extremely misleading. When you look at the label and it says the sugar content, what you need to do is you need to look at how many servings is in that product. And, and how many you- different words mean sugar. Right. Right. They'll right. put different kinds right. of sugar in, mm-hmm. and you might not recognize that word as sugar. Mm-hmm. That is true. Right. And and so those two combined lead to this thing is basically all sugar. And the nutritional value is very little. If you can get in touch with your energy and you can listen to your gut, it's very simple. You pick up the item and you feel it. If your body draws energy from it, if you feel like you're being fueled, this product is likely good for you. If you feel like it's sucking the life out of you because it has no energy and wants yours, it's not good for you. And this is something that everybody can practice. Now, women should be able to do this almost instantaneously because you'll feel everything. Males, we can do it too. We just have to be conscious to do so. 
can't make a caveat with that. So if you're like me and you're in your frontal brain a lot and you're very intellectual, you have to have no emotion attached to when you feel energy, just in general. So anytime you feel energy, if you have an emotion with it, it's not really feeling the energy. It's your brain interfering with that. So really to feel the energy of something, you, it, you're not, you don't feel sad or happy. It's just no emotion attached to that food. So if you're feeling an emotion when you pick up the food, then you're not feeling the energy of it. It's your your mind and your emotions. Especially if it's something that you love. Oh my God, I have to have this. Yes. Oh, I hate this kind of thing. Ding dongs. So we're going to segue a lot as we're noticing. Um, take some Cheetos and put them in your lawn with, next to an ant pile mm. and see if the ants eat it. Ever. <laughs> no. But go buy some flapjacks or pancakes from some fast food place. Put it in your fridge. See if it molds or decomposes ever. Mm. Right? Fresh food is the reason why we used to forage every day. And that's why I took a try, because it was a lot to feed everyone. You had to have fresh meat because the brain is fat and requires those fats. Don't start though. <laughs> and, and, then, and then foraging was so that you get the fresh vegetables or greens or berries that would go bad if you didn't eat them within a reasonable time frame. So this all plays a role and goes back to eating on the perimeter of the grocery store and not in the center of the grocery store which probably they're going to listen and change that too. But that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's finish going through. Um, my name is Carol, and um, diet for me mostly is about nutrition. So I think it was about six years ago I got the flu, and I thought I was going to die. My husband assured me I was fine, <laughs> and I did not need medical treatment. But for me, it was like the worst sick I had ever been and I wanted to make sure that would never happen again. Um, so in addition to getting the flu shot every year, um, I completely changed the diet, um, my diet. And so we just, um, you know, I was really focused on fresh clean eating and um, green smoothies and um, I have kids also. Um, so it's difficult to push all these things on them as well, and, um, you know, so I, I mean, I continued the smoothies, the smoothies, and they still drink them at six years later, um, so that's good, <laughs> but, um, you know, and then we've, you know, my husband has struggled with his weight, and so we sort of alter everything based on the family as a whole, and so we've, you know, we did totally vegan for a while and that was too extreme for everyone and people were not eating and um and then we did um so not, anyway we've you know done paleo and we've done all <coughs> different types of things um but now we're sort of just in this um plant-based mostly plant-based um so we don't eat a lot of dairy um like my kids won't even drink regular milk. They don't like it. They, they will drink regular chocolate milk, but they will not. But, and we don't buy it. But um, like they, we go to my parents' house and and they're like, well, nothing here we can drink, you know. Um, but um, so for me, it's just about it's solely about this fear of becoming sick again, um, and in whatever you know 
that means. Um, and I really haven't, I, since I have made a conscious effort to not eat <coughs> junk, um, I really haven't been sick. Um, maybe a couple of colds in six years, and yeah, definitely <coughs> a stomach flu from time to time with, with children, but, um, and my kids are not getting sick as much, and my son had um, some respiratory issues, and, and so we were very conscious about the no dairy and what to do for him and how to eat for the family, but it's really important for me to have that family meal every night um, because it's busy and we're all doing things, and my husband works really long hours, and so sometimes, you know, the kids and I will eat, and then we will come back and sit at the table and, you know, just so he can eat, but we can still have that time. Um, but man, they, chips are like the number one request at our house. If we don't have the chips, it's like there is hell to pay. Where are the chips? <laughs> I gotta say something about chips. So I used to be a chipaholic. Yeah. And let me tell you, if you eat chips for too long, you will get stomach aches from chips. You cannot have chips every day. I don't care if they're made with avocado oil or coconut oil or the right kind of potato or whatever. You cannot have chips every day. So our two-year-old loves the chips. We don't give them very many, if any, and the ones we do, you buy those healthy things. What do you, what do you got? Yeah, with the cassava flour. Oh, yeah. No, it's in salsa. Yeah. Lace potato chips. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's not going to make me happy. If I'm going to eat a chip, it's going to be a lace. However, <laughs> however if I in don't moderation. keep it in the house, right. then I only eat them once in a while. And so when that's I did right. have kids at home, um, I made a batch of cookies a week, and they could eat the whole thing in one day if that's what they wanted, or they could meet them out. But when they went to their friend's house, they ate bad stuff, and they knew it. And now that they're grownups, they go, at school. that was so smart, Mom. Yeah. You know, yeah, for about six months, they're like, I like Doritos. You know, I think Miss Michelle keeps those. You should go play over there for a little while. <laughs> and eventually, it got to be the habit in our house. Yeah, you know? no, no chips, yeah. Tell them the cookie story in our house with respect to me. <laughs> Are we going to have to hide them? If we, uh, if we did have cookies, Matthew would eat them all and one. I didn't know that for a long time. You just said, don't, don't put, bring that stuff in the house. Why are you buying it so bad for our family and all this stuff? And I was like, okay, I agree with you. But there was another reason. Because if they were there, they were gone. Like, his mom is a wonderful baker. She bakes delicious desserts, but they're not healthy. And she would bring a thing of brownies, and literally, I would come back to get, like, one brownie. I mean, this is a few years ago. She hasn't made brownies in a while because we told her no. And the whole plate would be gone. And I would say, Will, did you eat all the brownies? No, I only have one, Mom. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you can't keep it in the house. You just yeah, really just can't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, throw in. It's, it's a lot easier when you're a grandmother and they don't eat very often. But they did get used to it, and now as adults, they're doing that with their children, you know, keeping not keeping the stuff that it is fun to eat, but well, I bad do, for you. I do see my kids making better decisions than I probably would have at their age. You know, I mean, they'll eat. They'll speaking of chips, they'll eat kale chips if I make them, Ooh, yeah, you know, yeah. salty and oily and delicious. But they're so good. <laughs> but it's a lot of work to make kale it chips. Is. You know, and because they're gone. They're gone in a second. Well, they yeah. have to be because they're not any good the next day. Because right. the ones that 
Whole Foods or whatever are not very good. Bargain. Well, they're probably and they are a lot more oh, they're, expensive. They're right. expensive, uh, they're, like expense. I know. <laughs> they're very Look, expensive. Move homemade kale chips. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming here. Okay. <laughs> That's the hard thing is that if you want to eat properly, it's expensive. Or it's a lot. It of feels work. like it's, it's expensive. Or, yeah, you know. Or or what you can do is you can choose some very essential quality foods and just eat those within that intermittent fasting window where you get the most out of it and then suspend yourself from eating that's not filling you, which makes you feel hungry after the fact mm -hmm. and substitute it with liquids, water with the lemons, some teas, things of that nature. That's the other way to deal with it because that is a problem a lot of people have. Yeah. And it is expensive or it can be overly expensive. But if you pick and choose, you can substitute that. Having nuts, a variety of nuts that you're not allergic to, peanuts are inflammatory, so you might choose not to do that one, around three o'clock is perfect because by the time you go to sleep, the fats from those nuts have been extracted and are ready for your pineal gland to use and your brain to use. So that's a timing thing also. So that's another way to handle it, right? Yeah. Okay, let's finish going around. Mm. I'm Maddie Madison. Um, I'm so happy to be here. This is such a special, room of people. I'm so happy to hear everyone's stories. Um, this is my sister. <laughs> I'm visiting her. I think with food, I need to definitely drink more water. Um, avoid foods that cause inflammation, for sure. I have really bad dizziness problems. Um, so that's definitely something I have to work on. Balance. Um, self-love, <laughs> everything that everyone's kind of mentioned. Um, yeah, I'm very happy to be here. It's nice to have you. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm Isabella. I have been in a lot of pain for a long time, it feels like, uh, and haven't been able to exercise in probably almost a year. So because of that, my eating habits have definitely changed and been kind of weird sometimes. Um, but I can definitely work on that, kind of being more balanced and incorporating healthier routines in my daily life. Very well. I'm me. I'm Lisa. Um, I've come to the place that you have as far as feeding my family. Like we've tried a ton of different things and now we're just dairy-free, gluten-free, um, more plant-based, less meat. Um, and so just sort of a healthy, and the kids, you know, they're always like, there's nothing to eat. I'm like, there's fruit in the refrigerator, or there's oranges, or bananas. So we don't have any of that fun stuff. I would like to, if I had more time, to bake healthier types of cookies, like without gluten and things like that, have those things for treats for them, but I'm not at that point yet. Um, and I'm always, um, what I would like to do with nutrition is just, um, really spread the word with kids because our schools have really poor nutrition, the school lunches, and just in general, our food industry is, um, the foods that we eat today are a lot less nutrient dense than the foods that we had, you know, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. And so it's because of our farming and our agriculture. So I guess my passion when I was working every day and seeing kids in my clinic the obesity rate in kids is just skyrocketed. And people don't know how to read labels. They don't know what good 
foods are. They just are not knowledgeable and don't have the education. So I would like for that, as a mom, preparing that for my own family to spread that and as a pediatrician to spread that forward to other families. And like Gogo said, a lot of my families were really low income and were on Medicaid and they can't afford whole foods or whatever. So really finding um, cost-effective, nutritious ways to feed our youth um, because really they need those foods in order to perform well and to have brain development. And so it's unfortunate that our, our, our poor are not getting that, that nutrition and that knowledge. So that would be um, something that I aspire to in this next decade. Uh, oh, a good friend of mine from high school, you know, these kids are not eating and they don't have lunch to bring the hardly eating at home. So he started a program just to feed them with everybody that was there. And it happens so much in very wealthy communities that these kids can't eat. And it's crazy. Why don't you give a shout out to Mark Hyman? Oh, yeah. So there's a great doctor. You guys may have heard of him, Dr. Mark Hyman. He's a functional medicine doctor. And I've been following him for years, but he has a new book coming out called Food Fix. And... Um, at the end of this month, and he is taking on the big industry corporations. Like he got a group of people together. I think he has a senator on the thing, but he really wants to um, change our whole food system. And like, I'm really excited about it because um, he's really passionate about it. And so, and he knows a lot of people. So hopefully it can start to change, you know, just like a basic thing, like, um, I think it's like 70% of our seeds come from three companies and the companies are all chemical companies. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's just, our food has been so messed with, messed with. And for like, just little things can change for kids, like taking all the um, cartoon characters off of cereal boxes, putting a warning on cereal box that it's not healthy for you. No commercials between like, you know, during the day until after like 11 o'clock at night so that kids don't see, you know, all those commercials. Like if they can do things at a, you know, state level or a federal level, you know, taxing sodas, then people won't buy it. The one thing that I heard that he said the stat, like we spend as taxpayers like $4 billion a year on like soda and crap. Because, sorry, crap, but it is. The, the Medicaid program SNAP, which is our food stamps, they are promoted to buy like soda and all mm. of those Twinkies and things. And so if we could spend that money on healthier choices and educate people and not spend it on that, we would have a healthier community. Um, kids would have a better opportunity because they're eating nutritious foods. But that a lot of that really needs to start from way up high and come down to make, I think, the biggest difference. So I'm excited. So you guys check him out. He's Mark online and on um, Instagram. H-Y-M-A-N. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's a functional medicine. To children, just because, I mean, I love to garden. And so just for the children, um, back in the day, it was just so fun to plant seeds. And I did it on the ground. And as I've just learned and met um, a gal, her name's Linda, just... Wednesday, I had this amazing visit with her, but she has a book, and I can get that information to all of y'all. It doesn't come out till April, but she does home gardens, and you can learn from her. You don't have to have her into your home, but she does from garden to kitchen, and that's the name of her book, 
And so lately I've been doing raised beds because then you can do the nutrients within your box mm -hmm. and you're not using the soil from the ground so you can even harvest. Some people say, oh, I can only do it certain times of the year, but really you can do it four times a year. And then it goes into the garden where you can take your kids and get the plants mm -hmm. and, and the seeds. And so it's fun for them to learn. I mean, my kids were eating okra straight off the plant when they were little. Tomatoes mm -hmm. galore. Mm -hmm. Beans, jalapenos, just because they all were <laughs> gardening. And you have to get out there and you have to tend it and you have to work it and you're mm -hmm. talking. And the next thing you know, they all grow up to be lovely eaters. I mean, they're going to go through their changes in college, which are my kids' age now. And they're going to have the, um, the CRAP. But they also know deep down that we've built that healthy beginning and it's mm. fun I still do it like she I can't used to be a wait. kindergarten teacher I can't yeah. wait <laughs> to grow even more stuff in my garden I mean it's thriving and it's so much fun and it's really important the raised bed I'd like to say that here in yeah, um, yes. we have a lot of lead in our soil exactly that's and what she um, mm -hmm. all of the nutrients all the the fruits and vegetables will take up the lead and we have a lot of lead poisoning in yes. kids that's what she will come up with if you get if I so, share her name you can learn about her soil if you send it to me then and I'll so it's four ingredients but that was just knowledge for the heart Thank you. That's really great. But I, I just like to say this has been going on like on this corporation taking over our health since the 1930s. Uh -huh. Yeah. You know, um, right. it's, it's been going. I didn't realize how serious it was until I, I went to France and I could eat bread there and not yeah, feel bad. Right. Well, I well, also and also, I thought I was cured and I came back and two days later I was like, oh, no. They've, had, they've outlawed dyes and sodas. So, like, my daughter came back from France and she's like, Mom, there's no color in the sodas there because they don't allow dyes in their soda. Or GMO. Or GMO. So no, and so they have a lot more, all their wines, like, are really, so wines in the United States are awful because they're all sprayed with pesticides whereas wines from Europe mm -hmm. there have strict regulations that there's no so yeah um, America is definitely lagging behind in food policy right. um, and it's because of the big corporations they like kill right. log and right. they just right in the 1930s they uh, uh, Dr. Roy Lee was a dentist and he yeah. was in the office of chemistry which was a precursor to FDA. And they, the government came in and destroyed, he did a lot of nutrition research. They destroyed everything of his and they put Pils, the CEO of Pillsbury in charge of FDA. Well, the FDA is the most corrupt organization. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, so the other thing about this policy is they, nobody communicates. So the FDA doesn't communicate with, you know, the CDC or whoever is running. So there's no communication. So everybody just has their own It's role. compartmentalized. Yeah, and it's... And so it's really hard as a... Um, as a consumer in this, in this, and as a provider for your family to right. shop and provide healthy foods when right. you're not, the government isn't helping that out. Yeah, everybody take a little break because we're going to come, if you need to go to the bathroom or get some water, we're going to do a meditation. So Lisa, um, while we're all kind of confused anyway, I forgot to say that I don't have a gallbladder. So that affects absorption, and I don't have colon. So a lot of the decisions. Uh, no, I have six inches instead of three feet. But effectively, there's a lot of malabsorption. So I'm, I'm playing with what I can eat and how to eat it and when to eat it and how not to eat it. That's a good. But since you're doing a podcast, I thought you know at least 
to mention that some people at our age Okay, we are back from a bathroom break due to all of this digestion talk and food <laughs> topics. <laughs> and I think everybody's good to go. So there was a couple, uh, a couple of things that came up on the break and we'd like to address them. So Shay, with respect to... So when, uh, when I introduced myself, I forgot to say that I don't have gallbladder and I don't have much of a colon, just about six, <coughs> six or eight inches. Um, and so that affects what I eat, when I eat it, and how I process it. And I thought... Other people might have similar issues. So you, did you have a sleeve put in? No, reattached. Okay, okay. Um, the one thing I just want to say about the gallbladder. But it wasn't cancer, so there. There you yeah. go. Yay. There you go. Congratulations. Um, when you don't have a gallbladder, having alcohol and fried foods and oil really should be cut out. I know it's hard for a lot of people, but that wreaks havoc on the gallbladder. And we recently just put a blog out, and I wanted to put this picture, and I was suggested to write my own blog about this because it was considered to be gross. I actually posted this on Facebook like eight years ago, and people were like, what are you doing? But I did a gallbladder cleanse, and I knew I had a problem with it. And I literally, my bowels were clean, so after the first round of gallstones that came out, I started fishing them out and putting them in a little plastic thing. And I have probably, I don't know how many are in there, but at least 30 maybe close to it. And they're relatively large. And I remember laying down and feeling the pain of the first one pop out. And then after that, laying on my side, the rest of the night it persisted. And then in the morning when I used the bathroom, they started to come out. And so a lot of times surgery is not necessarily the only option. Right. This was Except for, right. And, but either people don't know or it's not promoted, but there is that option out there. So so, so in, in Asia, it's normal for people to do these gallbladder cleanses and they also don't have as a high fat diet. Um, when I was a, in my practice, I would regularly see teenagers with gallstones and gallbladder issues. And really, I mean, I didn't want Matthew to put the picture in just because I thought it was too much. However, a gallbladder <laughs> cleanse is a good thing. We should all be doing them once every year, or not even once every year if you have a clean diet, but once every couple of years because you need to get the stones out and the sludge out so that your gallbladder can, can function well. And if we did that as a society and as a culture, nobody would need their gallbladder removed. So what's in gallstones? So um, there's a few different ones that you can do. The, but in short, an apple a day keeps the doctor away does play a role with the malic acid breaking down the stones in your gallbladder. So we can promote that protocol and, and email it out, but there are different cleanses you can do. So. It's like a two day thing, you need to be near a toilet for the second day. I mean, that's just, that's it. It's like, starts one night before and then the next day you gotta have yeah. that day. Okay. You're, you're on the toilet of friends. <laughs> All right, about you. Yeah. You, uh, you're talking about, yeah. uh, about almond, almond milk, and uh, the first question was, do you buy the almond milk at the grocery store? I said, yes. I said, stop buying almond milk at the grocery store. Why? Okay, in France and Europe, as you said, there is more regulations, and, and there is it's something. Here, because of the uh, United States, is uh, very linked with big corporation, and, and unfortunately, like it's money rules if we can resume a little bit like this uh, for the wine for the and it's also true for the almond milk so normally the almond milk should be almond if you look at the ingredients almond water salt that's what we have in Europe and some sometimes there is something else but 
vanilla extract maybe. Here I see oh, kind of different almond milk with lots of colors and stuff. And it's, <laughs> I'm kind of confused when I see that. And so I, I, I search for the organic one. I said, okay, I take the less worst. So organic, what should be the less worst. And I still look at the ingredients it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> How many poison there is there. And so I investigated a bit and yeah, it's kind of poison. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's like to get you buy more. It take out the nutrients, so you're you're not having nutrients, so you buy more because you're angry. I don't know. I don't want to know what is it. So the answer is like very simple. You take almond milk, you take almonds, you put in the water, you let it soak during the night and the morning. You take your blender and you put the almond in the blender, and you put some water and you put what you want, what you prefer, some dates, some uh, vanilla extract, a little bit, <coughs> and you have instant almond milk right there. And uh, if you don't like this uh, chewy, uh, the, the residue inside, mm -hmm. you just put it in a, in a filter and, and you, you milk Nash. it like, a, like you milk, milk a cow. <laughs> it, and mm. it's, it, take, it takes yeah, I think it takes in, in total 10 minutes to have your almond milk. And uh, it, it can stay in the fridge like for three, four days. So 10 minutes and you have almond milk. If you do that That's twice wonderful. a week, you have always almond milk. And, and you know what it is. Wow. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, Because I do buy the almond milk. Me too. I put it on the coconut. Coffee. I know it's gross, coconut. but I do. Yeah. And I feel <laughs> sick after I drink, so I'm like, okay, I gotta stop drinking coffee. It might not be the coffee. Thank you very yeah. much. Mm -hmm. And I think we all probably do that to replace the milk that we want. So yeah. we gotta change our ways. We gotta change our habits. So this is all good. There's a, a book called I Quit Sugar by Sarah Wilson. And she tells you, you know, how to sprout your grains, make your own almond milk, and so this is beautiful. Now I would like to bring this workshop more back into the meditation and into the spiritual aspect of why we're here. And fundamentally, the earth provides us everything that we need, okay, and the atmosphere, of course, and we are connected to it. So with respect to the gardens. Yes, we're living in cities where the soil has been tampered with and where there's metals that we really shouldn't be having integrate with our food system. However, the old ways were ways in which we tended to the land to feed ourselves. And we were barefoot, which the feet contains connections to all the organs inside the body. And so therefore you're giving yourself a natural healing by just simply walking barefoot outside. And then not on concrete, but on the grass or on roots or on rocks. And what happens is, is where you plant your foods, the earth literally connects to you and figures out what your body needs from the mineral standpoint and nutrition standpoint. And then it pulls it from all of the area of that land to provide that in the food for you, which is why it was important for us to tend to the land to heal ourselves naturally. Because that's the synergy of our being when we're whole is we are a reflection of nature. And nature has cycles, and the cycles are not gonna change. They are what they are, just as we live and die, and are reborn and renewed, and so forth and so on. And so the best and fastest way to connect is to go back into nature, which is why parks are so vital, or simply to close your eyes and stand in the sun, or to feel the wind and listen to what the messages have to offer. These sort of things are the basics that we overlook because we're looking down with a hurt neck and rounded shoulders because of other reasons of technology that we think we're getting smarter by. But in fact, 
the essence of who we are is being lost. And we're growing extra spinal processes in the back of the skull for these youngsters because they want, the body wants you to stand up naturally and they're not doing it, so forth and so on. So to conclude the product of this mental that we're gonna embark on with the physical diet, this is the basics that a lot of us grew up with and we can never forget it. When you eat something and you stop and you look at it and you smell it and you give gratitude for it and you connect with it, then all the energy that surrounds that food or drink in the environment goes into that food that then gets passed to you. Just as if you could close your eyes, let's everybody close our eyes right now. Let your arms be uncrossed and just where they're comfortable. I want you to for a moment imagine that everything around us right now is some form of food or drink. And I want you to give gratitude for that and I want you to pull it from everywhere into your stomach right now. You can literally feel nourishment in your stomach. You can sense the saliva entering into your mouth. And all you're doing is mentally giving gratitude for food that is everywhere through the process of energy and the connection of your mind that creates it to be so inside. I want you to think of a healthy food that you like and put it in your mind. And I want you to simulate that food literally going into your mouth, going down your throat, and into your stomach. And I want you to feel how the energy expresses throughout your body. The mind is designed can create and will heal absolutely everything inside of you. And when that's healed, it can help heal things outside of you. Every organ in your body, every part of your endocrine system, all parts of your physical being respond to your mind's communication. And the word communication is everything in the way of healing. So whatever part of your body right now, within your organ system, whether it's your lungs, or your gallbladder, your stomach, so forth and so on, your small intestine, I want you to have conversation with it right now, starting with thank you, followed by I'm sorry, and then please, and make the request that you would like for that organ to do.
Let this organ talk back to you. See what it looks like in your mind. See what color it is. See if it's expanded and healthy or if it needs some help. Now I want you to go into the garden of your mind where all of the food and everything that you eat is grown. I want you to find this space and place and I want you to start to walk around barefoot there. And for that particular organ, I want you to start to allow all the nutrition to enter in through the bottoms of your feet and go directly into that organ. I want you to say a little prayer of gratitude for that nutrition that's feeding your organ right now. Feel the energy in your hands. I want you to make yourself this little mini you and go inside your body and find that organ and with those hands give it a hug. And just hold on. Rest your head there. Allow yourself to enter into the deep relationship that exists. I want you to think about what it is that you've eaten today. And I want you to remember how it made you feel. 
want you to think about what you ate last night. And equally so, how did it make you feel? next time that you get a craving, I encourage you to do this exercise we'll do now. Take a moment and stop and ask your body, what is it that you really need for me to eat that will make us feel great? And listen. Qigong, the knowledge there tells us that we have the ability to talk to every last portion and part and make up within our body to develop in that relationship for it to function at a high level that helps us stay healthy. When we do any type of a breathing practice or stretching practice, it is not just the action of what we do that makes a difference. It is quite literally the energy of the attitude that we do it with. So remember that if in the moment you do not feel great, and you want to change your mood and you choose to embark on a walk or to dance or to sing or to write or to stretch or to breathe. It's important to be aware of putting your frame of mind in such a manner that allows you that positive energy flow of a good attitude. And that is what you will literally be injecting into your system. So I'll ask you now to choose an attitude. A positive attitude that you can then, in your mind, act out one of those or your own forms of changing yourself into a good mood. yourself to feel within your body where that resonates.
So as a group exercise in support of the world, I'm going to ask everybody here to choose the word love, to choose the expression and action of love. And in your own mind, I want you to come up with the lyrics that are going to be a song you sing inside that speaks to all the people on this planet being able to eat healthy, nutritious food. And we can all sing from the heart to this now. May for one moment all people sit at the same table or sit on the same ground and receive from the birds the seeds that flow through the wind into our grounds to grow into the food we need to stay nourished. And may all of us drink from the same healthy water so that internally we may grow to be healthy and whole and this be a collective soul for at least that fraction of moments we can return. And may, when I eat, others who need it feel that nourishment too. And for this and all the food on this planet, we thank you. Let all of your minds and brains expand. Abandon all of your previous thoughts. Let them travel well beyond this planet. I ask that all the minds here receive the knowledge of old and the teachings for health and food and nutrition, something that can be utilized and not be sold. And may wherever we go, wherever we walk, that extension of knowledge affect every single soul. And so it is. Feel the energy in your spine within here and in your DNA are all the hidden 
gifts and gems that like our food must grow. Take a deep breath in through the nose, out through the mouth. A big thank you for Wim Hof for teaching us how to basically breathe in the way that we should have all not forgotten. In through the nose and out through the mouth. And a third time. Let's open our eyes when you're ready. By a show of hands, does everybody feel like they had some good nutrition and were fed? Does anybody feel hungry? The next time you feel hungry, do that. It's so simple. You're so powerful. The mental diet. How many people in this room, leaving your physicality alone, are super fat mentally? What I mean by that is, is that you have so many thoughts in your head that you can't fit them. Right? So, when we do a physical diet, there's all these different things we can do to adjust. We can cut out this inflammation food, we can do the intermittent fasting, we can drink more water, so forth and so on. But what, how do we deal with the mental diet? That's the question. Because a lot of times the mental is what causes the food physical, right? Let's close our eyes again. And as we relax into an open posture, let's take another deep breath through the nose and out the mouth. And allow yourself to see in the screen of your mind what is there. And with good fortune, at some point in your life, you shall see nothing. And you shall be relaxed with no thought. And this is something that you can train, but must be done consistently and with persistence. So in the beginning, the mental diet is about accepting what is there and identifying what is there that doesn't serve you very similar to the physical diet and the extraction of things that are not helping you. So a lot of us have recurring thoughts. So let's take a minute and without judgment and without attachment, allow yourself to see what's there and what keeps popping up in your mind. And once you have that thought or thoughts, I want you to ask yourself this question. Can I change or solve what it is that's there?
If the answer is yes, then the next step would be to take action and to determine what actions will promote and solve those problems and commit to them for a period of time until you can determine if in fact those actions are solving your problem. If the answer is no, then thank that thing that is there. Express your heart and expanse towards that thought. Give it a hug. And tell it that you enjoyed meeting it. And set it free. Whether it's to sit there and stare at you or not, or to leave altogether, is irrelevant. For your acknowledgement alone will break that bond. Now, in some cases, you may need to give many hugs, but with good fortune, one will do the trick. This is one exercise that you can do daily before you get out of bed and before you go to sleep. And the reason is there's so many things in that mental processing. If you try to corral them all, they may overwhelm you. However, if you choose one, you can check off your efforts of being consistent in your practice of having a mental diet. A lot of times people don't begin because they're overwhelmed or they think it won't change. Or you do it once and you don't think you did it perfectly and therefore you failed. And in reality, nothing is perfect. However, what makes nothing perfect perfect is the action of taking the time to be still and allowing your thought to propagate, propagate in your mind. If you can't control something, you have to go with it. If you can't control yourself, the issue becomes sitting with yourself long enough to create some discipline over what's going on inside and understand what's really bothering you on a deep level. I want you to go back to that thought that you brought about in your mind. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Is the energy of that thought something that belongs to you or belongs to another person? And 
certainly, if somebody lets you borrow it, wouldn't you like to return it? Now, if the energy of that thought belongs to you, just as you eat your food and have to digest it, you also have to digest that thought. And I want you to imagine yourself swallowing that thought and letting it go through your digestive system. so that it becomes a part of you and not something that constantly is taunting you. All the thoughts within your mental diet are energy. And it's doing one of two things. It's feeding you energy or it's sucking energy away from you. If you remember when we talked about food as something you could hold and feel if the energy from the food is feeding you or if it's sucking it away from you, your thoughts are exactly the same. everybody to imagine that you are a cowboy or a cowgirl and put your outfit on spurs and all guns on the side put your badge on your chest and your hat and imagine that you are in a western town but there's nobody there with you you're there all alone and I want you to walk down this street the main street probably the only street and somewhere there on the left is a movie theater. And I want you to walk in through those doors. And I want you to walk around to the next door inside where you go into a very large auditorium where there's seats everywhere. And right in the middle is a very comfortable seat that's just for you. And I want you to go down and take a seat there. Put your arms on the armrest and kick up your legs, lean back and rest relaxed into this chair. And in front of you is a huge screen. All of a sudden all the lights dim. And there's nothing but you and this screen. I want you to imagine that everything that goes on in your mind, <coughs> everything that goes on in your mind is shown on the screen and passively allow yourself to observe it. Each time that you attach to what you see, the screen will remain with that thought, picture, image, memory. Each time that you judge it, it may do the same and it may feel very penetrating to your body and heart and gut. However, if you're able to observe without any attachment or judgment, 
this is how you can allow yourself to naturally exercise a mental diet. Because you're allowing your thoughts to be presented and to process. So let's do this for a minute, constantly reminding yourself when you're stuck, let go, don't attach, don't judge. And the movie begins. As you're observing your screen, if in the process you hear somebody talking to you from the seat behind you, acknowledge that your ego may be giving you a hard time when it comes to not attaching or judging. And choose to get up and move to the seat behind your ego so that you can see both the ego and the screen.
So within the theater, I would like you to close your eyes and give thanks for your time with the screen of your mind. Take a minute and in your seat, really close your eyes and go to another deeper layer inside of yourself. Getting in touch with that person that's inside doing this exercise is very powerful. I want you to see yourself as a body of light, transcending your cowboy and cowgirl outfits. Imagine yourself ascending out of the theater. And becoming a mini sun. And shining everywhere. And then take a deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. That exercise of the screen of the mind, for some people is very easy, some people is very difficult. However, the premise behind meditation practice is this. You pick one practice, of which there are many, and you work it every day, a minimum of five minutes, and you do this for six months or better until you can start to extract the gifts that come out of the woodwork from that practice that principally all connect. And then that becomes an overlay for everything in your life that you start to act and interact differently with the world. And it's because you've taken the time to change the world inside of you that then is reflected out and you get new lenses every time you practice just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. So when we do different exercises, you have to decide, is that something that's interesting or resonates with me? And then you can take that and you can use it. So instead of watching a Netflix movie, postpone it for five or 10 minutes and do this, then watch a movie. And it makes a difference. So just briefly, before we conclude, let's go around and try to keep it short to if you want to share something about that experience that was either profound, if it was hard, whatever, and then we're going to conclude, okay? <clears throat> mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> it was a little challenging today for me to stay with the movie screen. I could probably do the same. I have a lot going on in my mind. <laughs> I feel very uh, calm, much more calm now than I did when I came in, um, or even when we were all just talking earlier. Uh, my head drifted off, but it drifted off in 
a good way, um, coming up with new creative ideas for my jewelry. And now I, from that, I feel lighter. Yeah. I take benefits from, from it. I noticed that when, uh, oh, first of all, about the thoughts, it was hard to pick one main, main thoughts, of course. And then the second stuff was, uh, oh yeah, when you talk about let you shoot, copy the shoot, I said, oh, I f forgot, uh, I had a couple of shoots. <laughs> it was hard for me today, I feel too agitated and I had too many, too many thoughts. Um, I had a lot of thoughts, but I was able to focus on several of them and it felt better. Um, I was really calm. I happened to do this, I've, lately I've been doing this a lot every morning and so my kids just kept, it wasn't even so much my visions, I just kept seeing my kids who are all in a good place and I just feel very calm and relaxed. I just enjoy letting go. Mm -hmm. mm. Well my screen kept coming, coming out with um, lots of thought and always try to be positive, so that was me. I, I uh, we were somewhere into it before I realized that the thoughts you were talking about might be negative thoughts, might be <clears throat> problems or worries or whatever. Um, I do meditate every morning for anywhere from 30 to way too long sometimes. Um, so my screen was full of the creative ideas um, flowing and, and glowing and it was just beautiful and very grateful. I did not have any thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is amazing. Yes, it is. I heard yeah. the plane, I heard the cars, I heard the noise <laughs> of the wind, I heard, I heard the birds, someone walking up here and I was like everything was purple. So I think it's amazing. Awesome. First time of my life. I closed my eyes and I didn't think of anything. Just felt. That's good. That's what I experienced as well. There's a line in a poem called If by Rudyard Kipling. And he says that whether it's your successes or your failures, you should treat the two imposters just the same. And that's the point of this. So whether it's the creative ideas or too many thoughts going on or agitations, whether it's the sounds, the kids, whatever it is that's happening, whether it's difficult, it's the same. I see it. I choose to allow it, good or bad. And it stays if it wants, and it goes if it wants. But a lot of times when we're not attaching or judging, it's like you get the <coughs> decks of the mental processing. And if something comes like a movie, watch the movie. If something's static and it's just staring at you, there's probably an attachment or some judgment about it. And that gives you some ideas of what's going on when you're doing that practice. But that practice is so profound that if you do it long enough, you'll be driving and instead of a judgment that might normally occur, because we just, it happens like that, there is this other processing that extracts the positive, oh, this must be going on with that person, or I wonder this, you know, 
it's something different inside of you because you're not judging or attaching to them. You're seeing more of the creative or the positive that's possible. Or they're in a hurry and I hope somebody's okay, you know what I mean? Or whatever the case. So I hope everybody got something out of today. I hope everybody gets a chance to improve their physical diet and can take some exercise and apply it to their mental process. And more importantly, the seeds planted that everything that we've done as you carry it out there in the world, just the thought and energy of you gets to help everybody else because you're that much more open. So thank you very much for being here and listening and we'll see you soon. Thank you. God bless everybody. Thank you. Thank you. May you find your balance in the mind and body with tips and tools shared with you today. Food is thy medicine and the mind is thy master. Make your master wise with options so your body can live long. Connect with us at The Healing Team at MatthewAndSira.com. Ask questions or suggest topics you would like us to cover. Be well, be blessed, peace, my friend.